All right, I'm pulling out of my driveway. We all know what that means. It's time for another podcast of loathing. I'm Zach. Uh, a while ago, a, a, a loathing podcast listener sent in a question where they said, hey, do you ever think about doing a KOL show or a loathing show uh, where you do something other than just answer listener questions? And it had never occurred to me to do a thing like that. And now that uh, now that it's been suggested, I thought, hey, it would be fun to do uh, kind of like what Mark Rosewater does with uh, Drive to Work, the Magic the Gathering podcast, where he just like picks a topic and kind of talks about it for a while. And I thought to start with, uh, I would try doing one show for each class where I just talk about uh, kind of the history of the class uh, through the lens of the class's skills, because uh, throughout KOL's development, every every class has sort of evolved in kind of three pretty distinct stages. Um, there was the initial like kind of genesis of the class and the first handful of skills that I uh, that I put in when the game was very very new, uh, and then in the kind of post ascension, um, right around the time of NS thirteen, we added a few more skills to every class to kind of round them out to fifteen. That was one of the kind of early things that we did when I first hired Riff and uh, Xenophobe, and when we had a little better idea of how the game was being played competitively. Uh, and so you see a lot of kind of metagame powerful stuff stacked at the high levels of uh, skills in the first round of skills for each class. Oh, great. Uh, all right. Laptop is now muted. I have a million tabs open, one for each skill. I mean, I guess it's really probably only like 35 tabs. Uh, and then uh, in 2013, I went through and made an additional set of skills for each level. Uh, an additional skill for each level for each class and changed a bunch of the stuff that I didn't like about the way the previous skills worked. And I added a bunch of mechanics that caused each class to play differently when you were playing as that class. And so uh, I'll, uh, I I'm basically want to go through these skills chronologically by when they were added. And I might have some of the tabs in the wrong order, uh, but that is, uh, that's more or less the approach here. Anyway, I hope, uh, I hope this is, uh, Man, I haven't done a podcast. Ugh. I haven't done a podcast by myself in a long time, and I'm kind of rusty. Uh, I hope this is interesting. I bet if you if you weren't the kind of person that was going to be interested in it, you would have stopped listening by now. Uh, okay, so Seal Clubbers were the first class that I made. Uh, it's I guess I feel slightly weird. There's so much temporal distance between when there was press about the horrors of Arctic seal hunting, and like. Jokes about clubbing seals are sort of fall into the same category as jokes about crack babies. It's just like a weird kind of edgy, violent 80s thing. I mean, I guess it isn't it doesn't I don't know if it's racist or not, because it really was like Inuits that were bearing the well, it was the seals that were bearing the brunt of the of the uh, the whole clubbing seals phenomenon. Uh, but it was just like a weird thing that. I remember either environmental activists or like PETA types were upset about and it just was a meme. And it's kind of weird that one of the classes is based on that. I don't think anyone associates Kingdom of Loathing Seal Clubbers with that, even me, uh, with that phenomenon anymore. But uh, yeah, I hadn't really thought about that in a long time. The basic goal with the class was 
well, I mean, in the beginning, the goal of the classes was that they should all be funny things and that some of them would be fighters and some of them would be mages and some of them would be thieves. But uh, when it came time, when there was a such thing as a play style after the first few months when combat actually got implemented into KOL, uh, I thought, well, this class should just be the don't really make any decisions, don't think about stuff, just hit things. Uh, and so all of the early skills and and uh, the at least attempted play style of the Seal Clubber was based on that. I remember I had recently played um, the – I forget exactly what it was called. It was Baldur's Gate Alliance. Uh, it was like a PlayStation 1 game, or I think I played it on the original Xbox. Uh, but it was kind of an action RPG, like Diablo-like. And I played through it as a fighter, and I liked that – most of the fighter's skills were just sort of, this is either a thing that you do instead of an attack, but it is basically just an attack, but better. Or uh, this is a passive that makes your attacks better, or it's something that like gives you more health or gives you more armor or whatever. But there's nothing like, you didn't really have to think super tactically. It was just like, all right, I just want to click, click, click and, and get this over with. Uh, and so... The early seal clubber skills are kind of in support of that. Um, the very first one is uh, seal clubbing frenzy, which I, this might have been the first skill. Th this is like the class ID in the table is one and the skill ID in the table is zero. So I think that maybe this is the first skill that was in KOL. Uh, and I'm not even 100% sure there was turn-based combat when this went in, but this was just you spend some mana, you get a buff. Uh, basic non-combat self-buff skill. Uh, and all it is is you spend some mana and you get plus two muscle for five adventures. And that just, uh, you know, very, very straightforward. Interacts with the simplest mechanics in KOL. Uh, the next skill in the table is – actually, it's not. This is skill ID 22 because this came in a lot later. Uh, we eventually – decided that every skill every class should also start with a combat skill and that that skill should be free while you were using that class and that it should somehow be worse than a regular attack so that you wouldn't continue using it for like the entire lifetime of your character but something that just made combat a little easier for a starting player um, i think this happened around the same time as the first like significant overhaul of the tutorial um where we basically just wanted like combat survivability to be less of an issue for brand new players uh clobber it it's like deals your a portion of the damage that your weapon would do plus a portion of the bonus damage that you have it we basically just needed to make sure that it wasn't as good as a regular attack but having it always hit and always do some damage was helpful to new players um all right next up thrust smack uh, there was a set, there was lunge smack, thrust smack, and lunging thrust smack. And I don't actually super remember what... These were modifiers on a regular attack. Like, they appeared in the skill drop-down list, and you use them like a skill, and they cost MP. But all they did was set a property in the fight script that when it got to the regular attack skill, it knew, oh, this is a regular attack that is also a thrust smack or a lunge smack. And they changed a bunch of times over the years. Um, and the history in the wiki is not like... It doesn't line up a thousand percent with my memory or my uh, my sort of experience of changing these things because there were, I think, a bunch of tweaks before people were really collecting good data. But basically, they were regular attacks, but they had a better chance to hit 
to a, a greater or lesser extent, depending on which skill it was. And they did more, more or less, not less. They did more damage depending on which one it was. And I think to the point where like one of them was just a straight up, like this is a regular attack, but it does three times the amount of damage a regular attack does. Um, there was a passive that you could get. I have a stoat that would cause uh, one of these skills to have a hundred percent hit chance. Actually, maybe all of them made all of them a hundred percent auto hit. Um, I eventually backed down on that. I don't remember exactly when. Um, but these were, again, like following in that like Baldur's Gate fighter tradition of like this is just a thing that you do. And really like almost all the classes in say Diablo 3 work like this where all of the skills are kind of just using your weapon to determine what their damage is, which is I, I kind of sort of don't like that. But uh, anyway, uh, lunch smack. Yeah, this just does more. Now, this is the new lunch smack, actually, uh, which came in. This replaced the old skill, so it's early in the table. Um, yeah, so this one, post revamp, it's just a normal attack that if it hits, it deals five extra damage, which that's, that is not uh, not that important. Lunging thrust smack, what does that do now? Uh, regular attack with an extra hit chance that triples base weapon damage and also bonus weapon damage if a seal clubber, right? So these are all more effective if you are a seal clubber. I think eventually, and I don't know if this was associated with a passive skill or not, but if you are a seal clubber wielding a club type weapon, all of these smacks auto hit uh, in an attempt to try to make them a more viable combat strategy if you are a seal clubber. Uh, the sixth skill in the table was super advanced meat smithing. This, I think probably went in at the same time that crafting went in, in general, uh, into KOL. And this was just, okay, these, this, the fighter class is also the blacksmith class. And so they, uh, make, uh, they can craft better weapons. Uh, there are advanced weapons that only seal clubbers can craft. And this is, this always got less play and was less interesting than the consumable crafting disciplines just because, like, weapons were less important than, like, food. Food let you play more. Weapons just let you do more damage. And probably at that level, especially in, like, a pre-ascension context, you were doing fine on damage. Like, you didn't need... Uh, you didn't need a new weapon a lot of the time. And also, once you made one, you had it. And so there's just kind of generally less trade skills in MMOs that produce durable goods are, I think, fundamentally less interesting than ones that produce uh, produce consumables. Not less interesting on a conceptual level or from a design standpoint or to me, uh, but less interesting to a player. Um, so now there's Blubber Up, which used to be Tongue of the Otter, which was just a skill that spent some mana and healed some hit points. Uh, this went away because it was the seal clubber in particular had a bunch of skills where there was a low level version of a skill and then a high level version of the skill that was just better. And in the skill revamp, I got rid of a lot of those. Um, actually, I think I got rid of all of them. I don't think that there are any cases anymore where there are skills that are basically identical, but with the number different though, the smacks might prove that wrong. Anyway, uh, tongue of the otter, uh, was just a healing skill. Uh, blubber up is now, uh, you, it's a self buff that increases your moxie for a while. So this is just meant to provide a low level or low skilled seal clubber with some more ability to avoid damage in a way that because it's about rubbing oil on your muscles and it's about, uh, the fat of Arctic animals is on brand for a seal clubber. 
Uh, next, Fortitude of the Muskox. I actually don't... I feel like this used to be something else because I don't remember giving Seal Clubbers an HP regen skill because I don't think HP regen was really a thing. Although, I, eh. The Ring of Half-Assed Regeneration was a fairly early KOL item. Anyway, it's possible that the wiki just doesn't know that this used to be something else and it did used to be something else. It's also equally possible and maybe even more likely that I don't remember. Uh, Audacity of the Otter. Uh, so this, there used to be a skill clause of the otter, which was an, again, one of those things where it was just a passive that caused you to do more damage with regular attacks. Again, going for the, like, this class is easy to play and their skills are just in support of you doing what you would be doing anyway, but making it more effective as you level up. Um, this just got changed to a thing that made it so critical hits, uh, do three times bonus damage instead of two times bonus damage. And that, uh, as part of the skill revamp and the skill revamp also sort of put a renewed focus on critical hits for uh, the seal clubber as it, they got more of a kind of berserker flavor during the revamp. Uh, but we'll get there. We'll get to that. Uh, next is hide of the walrus, uh, which is just a, a bonus damage absorption thing. So this is effectively just like having some armor without having armor equipped. Um, damage absorption and damage reduction are a, bummer to me in KOL uh, because it's sort of confusing the way that they work and I really wish that there was a more straightforward way to kind of combine them into one thing but it's we could maybe get away with it now I feel like combat is effectively trivialized for everyone who still cares about playing the game competitively so nothing that we did in terms of like you being able to soak damage probably matters that much i'm interested to see if people write in and say that i'm wrong uh this is uh things like this are a great way for me to learn stuff about the game anyway again very simple passive skill makes you more survivable and is uh arctic animal themed uh, let's see, this is the old lunch smack. And then Claws of the Walrus was the original second tier, uh, passive damage boost skill. And this is the one that, that stuck around. Uh, and it went from, I think what I did with both of these things was like, uh, Claws of the Otter used to be plus three damage and Claws of the Walrus used to be plus four damage. And now the only one left is Claws of the Walrus and it's plus seven damage. So it's just like you do more damage when you hit stuff with your weapon. And then Tongue of the Walrus is the remaining uh, heal skill. At some point, we changed the healing skills to kind of differentiate themselves from one another. And there were like certain bad... We categorized all of the negative effects that you could get, and we made it so, uh, like, the Disco Bandit healing skills would get rid of some of them, and the Seal Clubber skills would get rid of some of them. And I think the the Mist class healing skills didn't do any of that, or maybe they got rid of magical debuffs if there were any. But anyway, uh, Tongue the Walrus, it cures beaten up, which was a big deal. Like, we didn't, that was a change much not much later, well into the well into the lifespan of the game because we we started getting more and more feedback from very new players that the stat reduction of being beaten up was just it was causing people to start having so much trouble with combat and get into a kind of a failure spiral that they would just quit. And it wasn't that important to maintain that. And so um 
we made a lot of things that cured uh, hit points, also get rid of beaten up, um, resting at your campsite, for instance. Um, so yeah, this gets rid of a bunch of things. Tongue of the Walrus gets rid of a bunch of things that were categorized as like physical debuffs. Um, and it's it's kind of a weird set because we're, we've never been super on the ball about making sure that those were like really thematically correct category-wise. Um, all right. Uh, let's see. Rage of the Reindeer was level 11 skill and I think... I can't remember if this was in the first round of skills or in the second round of skills when we, there was just like a moment where uh, we had just gotten into the new office after I hired Riff and Xenophobe, like I said earlier. And we, one of our first projects was like, let's pad out the class skills to level 15. Like the game has a lot more of an identity now. Ascension has been implemented. We know what people need. We know what skills should be there to support the play styles that emerged in the wake of the Ascension rollout. And so we started doing this. This is maybe from before this, because this is kind of, it's just a self buff that gives you plus 10% muscle and plus 10 melee damage, which that feels like an old thing. Um, but it could have gone either way. Cause seal clubber was also like, we didn't want to make it too complicated because we didn't want to lose the fundamental class identity of just being the hit stuff with a stick guy. Uh, however, I definitely remember that double-fisted skull smashing, the new thing, which is the passive that lets you dual-wield weapons, was that was a thing that we knew as a permeable seal, seal clubber skill would be potentially extremely metagame relevant because it let you equip. Nobody really cares about it in terms of what it does thematically for the seal clubber, which is let you hit things with two weapons. It did... It adds a second source of damage, which I guess is valuable in, in some cases, but mostly what it does in terms of metagame play is it lets you have the combined enchantments of two one-handed weapons, which because we've never been good about making sure that two-handed weapons enchantments are more powerful than one-handed weapon enchantments, this was effectively just doubling the value of that equipment slot um, before there were a lot of like really important offhand items. Um, so that was like a big kind of fundamental game mechanical change that we added in the context of giving the seal clubber another skill during this period of time. Uh, also the element system had been introduced in between when I made the first set of skills for everybody and it became, it's never been like super, super important. Um, it's more relevant if you are fighting things way above your level, like if you've got a bunch of monster level piled on, I guess, um, or at least it was at a certain point. So we gave every class that at this time also, there was the idea that accordion thieves should only have songs that they play for other people. It wasn't until 2013 that I finally sort of relented from that thing, which had hamstrung us for so long and decided to give them some actual combat skills and a sort of their own play style identity for combat. Um, so we had five elements and six classes, but we knew we weren't going to give accordion thieves a elemental resistance. Maybe I'm wrong about that. Maybe we did. And I'm just remembering this wrong. I guess they had passives that did stuff. Um, yeah, that doesn't make any sense. So I have no idea. I don't remember what, uh, classes went with what, uh, which of these, but anyway, seal clubbers just get cold resistance. Uh, and, that was just a result of cold resistance and elemental damage being a thing when we got around to this uh, little like 
Ascension Rollout Era Skill Edition. And then Musk of the Moose, which is their self-buff that increases the chance of combat adventures versus non-combat. And it was not as important as the plus non-combat one, uh, Smooth Movements, was that it? Um, but it was, you know, it was the counter to that. And also, like, Seal Clubbers were never really meant to have a ton of metagame relevance, just thematically. It's goofy how that kind of played out just because Moxie classes became so dominant because all of the stuff that's like thematically on brand for Moxie classes was also stuff that was uh, extremely important to speed ascension, like item drops and sneaking around and getting more non-combat adventures because almost all of the plot and quest advancing things are non-combat adventures. Anyway, we, we occasionally would cram something in somewhere where, oh, let's make this a place where uh, increasing your combat encounters as opposed to decreasing them advances a quest, but it's not as easy to do that and it's not as easy to explain that. So it ends up getting uh, shorter shrift just from a lot of directions at once. And then Pulverize, which this was like, we had all been playing a lot of World of Warcraft at the time and we really liked the way the crafting disciplines in World of Warcraft played off of each other and a given uh, a given crafting skill required stuff from other crafting skills to like make their high-end recipes and we decided to give seal clubbers the ability to like smash for a long time the way that this was themed i still remember like there was a notebook that I bought the first time I ever went to New York that I was writing notes on just kind of brainstorming the stuff that I was thinking about for this, uh, for class skills, these, the second round of class skills. And for a long time, this was themed as smashing stuff into stickers that you would put on equipment. Um, like you would make temporary, you would turn gear into things that then provided temporary buffs to gear. But because of the way that items in the database in Kingdom of Loathing don't really have individual identity. There was not really any good way to do that, and everything felt very compromised, and it eventually evolved into this thing where you would just get elemental powders and nuggets and wads that were then used in various things. Um, I uh, I don't remember the precise way in which we fucked this up, but we definitely made it so w one of the easier ones to get was more important, but that also made it slightly rarer because there's a narrower band of weapons that provide them. I think, oh, it was the powders being used to make the file, the elemental files. And that finally, that finally changed after there was some sort of, I don't exactly remember what revamp that was in the context of, but that was what I was thinking of. You, powders were valuable because the things that you made out of powders were way more important uh, than the things that you made out of the nuggets and the wads. Wads were also the first spleen item that gave turns, and for a long time the only spleen item that gave turns, and we eventually backed off of that because it got way out of hand. But um, but yeah, that's Pulverize. And that was the level 15 skill uh, that Seal Clubbers got, and that was the last of the sort of old guard of skills. Um After that, uh, well, or, or around then, uh, so we did the... Quest in Spooky Raven Manor, uh, where every class got their own skill from doing a particular thing in there. And Snarl of the Timberwolf was the spook, uh, was the, uh, Seal Clubber one. And that's just a self buff that is plus 10 spooky damage. Um, 
they were all kind of spooky themed. And then when we finished the C revamp, uh, we gave them, we gave Seal Clubbers Harpoon, which is, I think nobody cares about it. We didn't, it, it didn't amount to anything, but it was just basically an auto hit skill that did damage based on a weapon that you were using. And it had some, it had some trick interactions underwater, was more effective underwater or something like that. But it basically, it basically nobody cared. Um, Crimbo of 2009, everybody got a skill book and, uh, the seal clubber one was holiday weight gain, which I, I still, I still like the theming of that. That's a self buff that just gives you, uh, additional max hit points. Uh, and then there was a traveling trader visit where, or a series of traveling trader visits where they gave a skill book to each class. And this one was iron palm technique, which is just an intrinsic that you can toggle off and on that lets you use swords and have them count as clubs, which just the, the idea there was to expand because I like swords. And so I make a lot of swords, but like the main, class that would be a sword using class in KOL doesn't get any advantage from swords. And so this was like an attempt to make it so there was a larger subset of weapons in the game that were relevant to seal clubbers by virtue of them triggering the uh, auto hit on smacks that you get from wielding a club. Um, okay, so then um, let me pull up the other browser window. Uh, in 2013, I did sort of world events to, uh, introduce total overhauls of the class skills. And so a lot of the changes we already went over, but here are in approximately the order that they are in the database. Uh, and I didn't bother to, um, arrange these by the level, uh, that you get them at, but, um, so seal clubbers got hibernate, which was, this was a thing. So the reaction of players to the seal clubber skill revamp was a real bummer for me and i realize looking back on it the main problem is that i kept talking about how i was going to do a seal clubber skill revamp that i was going to revamp skills for everybody and i was very excited about it because it brought things way more in line with what i wanted but when I said 15 more skills, what serious players heard is 15 more opportunities to speed up my ascensions the way that the first 15 skills did. And that is not what this was ever going to be. And so essentially this was adding a bunch of new mechanical content that because most of it didn't directly impact the speed of ascensions because that was never the intention with it was largely just poo-pooed as being useless by experienced players, experienced players being the ones who are likely to complain about things in the forums. And uh, so, yeah, I don't know. I was pretty excited about the Seal Clubber revamp when it happened. And then I kind of, uh, the the as in a lot of things, historically, the player response to it kind of took the wind out of my sails, uh, partially because I was less, uh, less good at regulating my emotional response to things like that uh, back then. But and also because I actually read the read the forums routinely and and uh, paid a lot of attention to them relative to now. But anyway, uh, I think these are cool, and I'm going to talk about them excitedly now. Uh, so hibernate was the hibernate was one that was especially derided as useless because it costs it a turn, which it costs a turn. It fully heals you, and it gives you an effect that causes you a 
fairly insignificant but greater than zero uh, extra stat gains after combat for a while. And this skill was only ever intended as like an escape valve and as an alternative to resting in the campsite for brand new players. And I think that it actually does a pretty good job of providing that for them. Um, no serious player would ever use it in a serious run, and that's fine. There's a ton of stuff that's like that. Um, I think I gave every class one of these, a skill that cost a turn instead of MP. Um, but Seal Clubbers got the first one, and the first and probably the least relevant to meaningful gameplay one, which is partly why... Uh, why the initial reaction to it was bad. Uh, cold Shoulder is a passive that just adds a little bit of passive cold damage to smacks, um, which, again, this is just that whole, these skills just make regular attacks better. Um, philosophy. Okay, then, Wrath of the Wolverine is a passive which introduces the new class-specific resource mechanic, which is Fury. Uh, whenever you defeat an enemy, you gain a gallon of fury. And my goal with this was to make it a resource that you could accumulate and spend if you wanted to, but also have it be a resource that if you ignored it, it was just a thing that passively made things better for you. I don't remember what fury does on its own. I guess let's see if the Wi-Fi works in here. Um, so there's a bunch of passives that influence it, but let's see. With no other passives, Fury gives plus one bonus weapon damage per gallon. Okay. Right. And so it's pretty meaningless. Um, it's equivalent to a plus three weapon damage passive at level four. So, you know, whatever it is, it is what it is. Um, so that is their basic mechanic. And if you are not a seal clubber, you do not accumulate fury, which a lot of, a lot of the other things that people didn't like about this revamp was that it gave seal clubbers a bunch of toys that were totally useless if you weren't a seal clubber. And that was absolutely the goal because that was the only way that we were going to be able to add 15 skills to every class without just dramatically altering the landscape of how powerful every player was once they had permed a ton of skills. Um, and Fury was just the first instantiation of that. Um, buoyancy of the Beluga is the first skill that passively relates to Fury, and that just adds HP regeneration based on how much Fury you have. And again, just a very simple, like, if you don't pay attention to this mechanic at all, like if you're just buying your skills when you level up, but you're never using Fury for anything, you still derive some benefit from it, and this creates a little bit more benefit for you to derive from it. Um, Scowl of the Auk. Also, with the, ski, the skill revamp, I wanted to add a self-buff for every class, but I didn't want them to just all be on all the time for people who weren't constrained by maximum MP for whatever reason. And so I uh, conceived of these set of skills that were facial expressions that you could only ever have one of at a time. Um, something that I had long lamented was that in the very beginning of the game, I hadn't set up more rules that constrained things a little bit like the accordion thief songs, because 
it helped make those sets of buffs balanced even though individual ones of them are very powerful because you couldn't just get all of them. So any given one of them could be pretty good because it wasn't just additive. It was actually a thing that you had to select. It also gave us the opportunity to have things that influence the number of them that you can have and stuff like that. Maybe, you know, it would be a pain in the ass to do this now because so many skills would have to change. But if we had done this in the beginning, like maybe you could get a a disco bandit passive that was two-faced that allowed you to have two facial expressions instead of one if all of the self-buffs in the beginning had been like categorized like this in a way that made narrative sense and if it had always been constrained in a way that would make it so adding new constraints didn't piss people off like as we were adding all of these new skills it's like you know what these can be whatever we want right now and this will be the way that they always were to people so let's be more aggressive about trying to balance them and limit them based on the lessons that we've learned over the years of developing content for KOL. Um, anyway, Scowl of the Auk is just a plus weapon damage facial expression. 10 mana, 10 turns of 10 weapon damage. Um, and I tried to give all the classes a cycle of things that were similar and felt, uh, you know, they were never going to be equivalently powerful, right? Plus weapon damage is never going to be as good as plus any amount of item drop, but whatever, you know use it or don't. If you're a seal clubber, you don't have a ton else to do with your mana, maybe. I don't know if that's true or not. It feels true. Uh, next one, Thirst of the Weasel. Uh, this is a thing that causes your smack skills to regenerate hit points when you do them based on how much fury you have. So again, this is a thing that benefits you while you're building up fury or incentivizes just holding on to it rather than paying attention to the mechanic at all. Um, Furious Wallop is a skill that spends one fury and does a regular attack that is guaranteed to be a critical hit. So what that means is if it's a monster that you can't hit, it becomes a hit. I think it might actually, if you do this, it might actually guarantee a crit, even if you would otherwise have missed. I don't remember. At a certain point, we changed it so that you had a chance to critical hit, and if you critical hit on a hit on an attack that you would otherwise miss, it became just a regular hit. Um, I don't remember if that was the same time as the glancing blow change or not. I don't think it was. We just eventually got rid of missing um, and instead made it so that an attack that would have historically missed just becomes like a shitty attack that does slightly less, less damage, but it still achieves something. Anyway, spend one fury, get one attack that's guaranteed to be a critical hit, like a still fairly straightforward, fairly on theme thing for a seal clubber to be doing and an expenditure of the resource that you have learned to accumulate. Um, Clubfoot is... I also wanted... I don't remember if it's every class. I think it is every class. Entangling Noodles used to be the only multi-round stun that there was, and it just became a staple of all combat playstyles, essentially. And I wanted every class on their first ascension to be able to have something like that. And so Clubfoot is that for the Seal Clubber. Uh, it is a debuff, but if you have Fury, it's also a multi-round stun. Um, and the duration is based on the amount of Fury that you have, the... Uh, 
Maybe it's more effective if you have a club. Well, there's a lot going on here. I should have read this before I started talking about it. Um, anyway, it's a multi-round stun that works if you are a SEAL clubber, but it's not an additional multi-round stun as a perm skill for every other class, and that was important to all of these. And limiting it, limiting it based on fury was the way of of having that cooked into the fundamental basic way that SEAL clubbers work now. Uh, seething of the snow leopard, uh, that makes, uh, your base fury give you plus three damage per gallon instead of plus one damage. Um, so again, just this is for people not spending fury. Uh, ire of the orca, uh, increases the capacity of fury to five gallons, uh, so that you can have more of the bonuses and have more fury to spend. Batter up, uh, I'll come back to batter up because that went in later. I don't remember... If it was okay, it replaced Eye of the Stoat. I forget what Eye of the Stoat did in between doing the revamp and giving batter up is the thing that I did to sort of placate the people who are complaining that nothing that Seal Clubbers got in the revamp was metagame relevant by giving them something that's probably too powerful. Um, I, I'll just talk about it now. It is essentially a for the rest of the day, banish. It costs five fury, so you have to have you have to have built up the resource. Uh, but that is being able to banish monsters from zones. Clearly, very important to like farming things from a particular monster or doing a bunch of other shit that I don't understand that experienced players of this video game do. Um, but it that was essentially a bone thrown to the people who wanted the Seal Clubber revamp to have provided some some uh, ascension relevant skill. Um, and, you know, it's fine. It's it's thematically okay. I like it. It it feels like... And banishes like that, like, especially after, like, um, Avatar of Boris uh, became more of a muscle class thing. And that's that's cool. Like, the intimidating things into leaving you alone is, a, is on brand for a, for a fighter style. Uh, Cavalcade of Fury spends all of your fury and does a, a big attack for each of them. And I think this is a thing that's like flashy and sounds fun. I don't think people super care about it uh, in terms of like competitive play or speed play or even like, you know, and largely even people who don't care about that stuff and aren't ascending are powerful enough that they mostly are just beating enemies without spending any resources. So that's fine. Uh, Northern explosion. Uh, that's, you get that at the same, uh, level as Northern exposure. Uh, and it is a new smack that deals elemental damage. Um, one of the kind of weaknesses of seal clubbers is that they didn't have a built-in source of doing any kind of elemental damage. And so like, if you were fighting a ghost that was fully physically resistant, you either had to use combat items or you were just fucked and couldn't ever beat it. And that kind of sucked. And so part of the goal of this was at least at high levels to give them an ability to do a significant amount of elemental damage. And it's this, it's just a cold smack. Uh, and then precision of the penguin, which uh, causes stored up fury to increase your chance of a critical hit. So again, just passive bonus from unspent fury. And then Pride of the Puffin uh, is a self-buff that gives uh, additional monster level, which that, I think, was my one initial thing that I thought speed players would appreciate. 
um, about this. And it just uh, it, probably 10 monster level wasn't as big a deal at that point in the game's history as I thought it was. And so uh, it was uh, uh, too little and not not late enough. Uh, since then, there have been a handful of additional uh, skills in the table. There was um, two Crimbos ago. Uh, we did the uh, mime thing, and you got Silent Hunter, uh, which is... You know, I should have looked this up. I don't remember what the effect does. 2336 and 2337 if you're... So these are better... I think it gives you a better version of the skill if you are a seal clubber. A better version of the effect if you are a seal clubber. Nope. Uh, my session timed out. So anyway, uh, probably if you're listening to this, you know what Silent Hunter does. I don't remember. Um, there was Get Big, uh, which came from... That came from an item of the month. I think it was one of the ones that uh, Kevin made. And, oh yeah, it was the fortune teller. Um, we did a class skill for each class for each of those. And that's just a self buff that increases either your muscle or your maximum hit points or both or something. Uh, and then there was the vampire, the dark gift, uh, one, uh, the dark gift, the skill that you get from the skill book for finishing a dark gift run. And that is, it increases the damage that you do at the cost of, uh, at the cost of, uh, negative HP regeneration, which is mostly what all of those skills did. Um, okay. Well, I have, uh, I have arrived in my parking spot and that means that instead of, uh, talking about seal clubbers, it's time for me to go make seal clubbers. And I hope that, uh, I hope that this is a thing that people are interested in and excited about. And we'll see you. I don't know, uh, to what extent I want to commit to like a super regular schedule for these. Once Kevin is back from his vacation, we'll be doing loathing shows on a, on a more consistent basis. Again, the way that we were before he left in the time between when we got the studio here and he left. Um, but uh, you know, this did not take up that big of a chunk of my Tuesday. So, eh, let's say I'll shoot for doing another one next week and then, um, I'll ask for forgiveness if I don't. Uh, all right. What well, what did, um, what did Chris Moyer decide our sign off was? I'm going to look it up. This is me going to the forums. This is me finding the transcript of the show. This is me scrolling to the bottom of it. Keep flying towards the moon.